Father, as we open your word, we ask you to speak to us. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to speak to us, to overcome barriers, to transform us in ways that we could never do without your supernatural power. And so, Lord, let us be attentive and let your word speak deeply to who we are, that the reality of the kingdom of God may become our everyday experience in life. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don and Carol Richardson moved to the Netherlands, New Guinea. And they went down into the lower kind of swampy areas and they built a house. The reason they did it is they went to reach an indigenous people. And they would learn the language and they would make friends, although making friends had initially more to do with the fact that they offered steel tools and the indigenous people wanted the steel tools. But they were able to do what every missionary longs to do. Why do they go to share the gospel? And they were able to share the gospel. And the people believed it. They accepted it. They thought it was an amazing story and thought it was real. There was only one problem. After hearing the story and believing the story and getting excited about the story, for them, the hero of the story was Judas Iscariot. That's who they wanted to be like. That was the one that they believed had the most honor in the story. If you decide to stick around for all of my sermon, I will tell you why. Judas Iscariot, one of the most famous people in the Bible. Today, you don't even have to be a Christian, and yet, if you betray somebody, they may still call you a Judas, because we know that term. And everybody knows at least the basics of the story. Well, today, as we continue along this path in a series called Rise, Let Us Go, We're going to look at the next section, which is just two verses. But what I want to do is I want to fill out the best I can the life of Judas to see what he did with his life and to see whether or not the indigenous people really should have been honoring him. Open up your Bible, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to start with our two little verses that we just read. But again, I want to try to give you his story. Mark 14 and verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. Let me stop there. Let me tell you a little about this guy. Iscariot likely refers to where he's from. And if that is the case... He, is from, he, is, he comes from south of Jerusalem, which means he's in Judea, and probably the only disciple who doesn't come from Galilee. 
So from the very beginning, he is a little bit of an outsider. He's a little different. Luke's account, when he describes Jesus calling the disciples, this is how it goes. Jesus prays all night long because he knows this is a big moment. He's already got followers. He has lots of people that they started with John the Baptist and now they're following Jesus. However, he's going to pull 12 of them into this kind of inner circle that he will build into differently than he will all the rest. So there's all these disciples and Judas is one of them. He's in that large group. He might have been with John the Baptist. He may have come afterwards, but he's part of that large group. Jesus spends all night praying, comes, and he begins to call. You and you and you and you. And just like all the other 11, one of them is Judas. You come be my disciple. And in Luke 6, Luke says it this way, who became a betrayer. See, here's the thing. I think, based on what Luke writes, that when Judas was called, he wasn't thinking to himself at that moment, three years from this moment, he was not thinking, I'm just looking for a way to betray Jesus. Now, I don't know what his motives were. I don't know how good he was throughout the three years, but I do know that he became the betrayer. He didn't start the betrayer. So he comes, he becomes one of the ones that follows, and right away, this is what happens. They go into a home, and the whole village comes around them. And right off the bat, all 12 disciples, they are witnessing Jesus draws crowds. And for three years, they will witness Jesus healing people, telling people who could not walk to stand up. People who had demons and were breaking chains, get out of them. You are free. They witnessed his power. They witnessed his draw of people. And anybody know where Jesus sleeps most of the time? On the ground. According to one passage, he says, the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. So here you've got this very popular guy who has a lot of power. They do have a money bag. That money bag is most uh, supported by a group of women. At least that's what we're told. However, with all these crowds coming, it probably fills some of that too. And yet, they live like really, really poor people. Now, with that in mind... Judas is chosen or he asks or something to be the treasurer. He's the one that holds the money bag. Why not Matthew? I mean, this is what Matthew does for a living, right? He's a tax collector. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's because he's a tax collector and they're like, well, Jesus chose you, but we're not real sure yet. Like you spent your life basically betraying your people and trying to make all of us really poor. So we're not sure we want to give you our money. Maybe Judas's background was in business or money or finance or something, and he was the choice, the logical choice to do it. But he's the treasurer, and this is where things start to go wrong. John lets us know in his gospel, it's somewhere along the way, and 
I'm speculating now. I just want to be upfront. This is total speculation. There's no biblical support for this. Well, there's biblical support. There's no, well, I'm speculating. At some point, Judas has this money in his hands, and he's looking at the ground that he keeps laying his head on, and he's going, why? Like all these followers, all this power, and like I'm sleeping in the dirt. I think I'm just going to skim a little bit. And he starts to take some. And he starts to take some. And John says he used to steal from the treasury. However, here's what we know about the ministry of Jesus. It starts with a bang, and he can't even go into villages. I mean, he gets so popular. You know the story where he has to stand in a boat just to teach people because they're crowding around him? And he can't walk into certain places because there isn't enough room. But what do we know by the end of his ministry? It's Jesus. Like everybody's dispersed. They're all left. We watch them go. And I just, again, I wonder if as he's skimming and as more and more people are leaving the ministry and things are not turning out the way he thought they would turn out, that he's going, I got to do something. And then our story last week, a woman walks in and she has an alabaster jar of perfume. It's worth an entire year's wage. And I can just see Judas seeing that alabaster jar. That will help. Everybody may be leaving. We may not know what we're doing here. This may not work, but that's a lot of money right there. And what happens with that jar? She breaks it, wastes it, pours it over Jesus. And last week what we studied is the disciples were indignant by this. However, in John's gospel, Judas specifically voices his anger. He is the one who stands up and says, that is a waste. That could have been used for the poor. And then what does Jesus do? He stands up and says, you're wrong, and humiliates him in front of everybody else. And what does that lead to? This passage, then Judas, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. That was it. That was the final straw for Judas. After three years of following him, three years of laying my head in the dirt, three years of seeing all this power that was never used for us, three years of trying to just get a savings or something, and even the coffers are going down, and we had an opportunity right here, and you ruined it, and then you rebuke me? I'm done. This account's very short. A lot of marks are. Another gospel, he actually goes to the chief priest and he bargains. He wants some money. The reason that he's here in this whole waste of money He's been skimming for however long he's been skimming. Well, this is where he goes, I'm done. And he goes to the chief priest, how much will you guys give me? I'm gonna sell him out because I need some money. Here's what's interesting. After he sells him out, he comes back. How awkward would that be? I mean, this account says this. 
and he sought an opportunity to betray him. So here is Judas. He's with these people he's been with for three years, close friends, hanging out with them, and the whole time what he knows, I am getting ready to betray the master. I'm gonna find a way to get him arrested and probably killed. And I got the money with me that they're paying me for. He even goes through the Last Supper. He gets his feet washed by Jesus after this has happened. And then eventually, when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, and he says, is it I? You said so. And at that point, Judas gets up and takes off. Goes and he gets the religious leaders. And where does he bring them? He brings them to a place that only an insider would know. This is where Jesus brings his 12. Because Jesus doesn't bring all of his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. But he does bring the 12. This is their garden. And he leads them right to Jesus. So, what do we do with that story? Why in the world would anybody look to Judas and go, yes, he's the one. He's the guy. So, I'll answer that question in a moment. First, I want to make an observation. And I just want to make two observations this morning. Here's the first. Judas got to spend three years with the best Bible teacher who has ever walked the planet. He got to listen to the Son of God, the Word of God, explain and teach the Scriptures. He got to listen to the inside. I don't know if you remember when he talked in parables, but then he'd take his disciples aside and go, let me explain this to you. He got to listen to the explanation from the master. And it still wasn't enough. It still was not enough. And here's the point. You cannot just be a hearer of the word. You have to be a doer of the word. And if anybody is an example of that, it is Judas. A man who heard, I mean, what would you give to sit down and let Jesus explain a Bible story to you? I mean, Jesus himself, like throw open the Old Testament and go, oh, let me tell you what that means. <laughs> no debates. No, well, this scholar says this, and this scholar says this. No, it's Jesus. It means this. And you go, it means this. And yet, after three years, it never sank in. He never lived it. It never became his. You cannot be just a hearer of the word. You have to be a doer of the word. Otherwise, it doesn't transform. It doesn't change. I'll tell you what it can do. It can make you critical and judgmental of people. Have you ever heard somebody who knows a lot of Bible? Doesn't necessarily do a lot of Bible, but they know a lot, and they're really, really critical of everybody around them? I mean, knowledge puffs up. 
right? What we need is to live the word, not just hear it. So this tribe, this is what their life was like. Okay, so we got a tribe over here, and we got a tribe here. And what happened is this tribe murdered somebody in your tribe. And here's what you want to do to get back at them. You don't just want to kill somebody in their tribe. What you want to do is figure out how to betray them by deceiving them. And so one of you is going to come get really close to somebody here and make them think that you're their friend. In fact, maybe you can even get into their home and make the whole family think that you are their friend. And then when they least expect it, you will stab them in the back. And your tribe, they will think you are awesome because you have betrayed somebody and the more complicated and the closer and deeper in you get, the better you are. There was one guy, his name was the legend maker in English translation because he came up with a plan that was so convoluted and he got so close into the other tribe that they were like, wow, nobody will ever be able to do it that great again. What did Judas do? Inner circle, three years, made some money for it, betrayed him with a kiss. I mean, they were like, Judas is amazing. We've got something to learn from him. Well, Don said, in that case, we're going to leave. And they went, but we want your tools. We don't want you to leave. We want you to stay here. Then you need to make a change. And so this is what they agreed to do. This village here and this village here decided, and the book that he wrote is called Peace Child. What they decided to do is this. You guys gave them one of your children, and you guys gave them one of your children. And now, when there is some offense given, you remind them, but we have the peace child. Well, but we have the peace child. And it's to keep peace between them. And so, Don had an idea. He began to understand how they understood redemption. And so you can guess where he went with this. Jesus is God's peace child. And if you accept God's peace child, then any wrath God may have had against you will be gone. You can have a relationship with him because that is God's peace child. And so the two villages did this. That is awesome. That is awesome for somebody else. It's exactly what they did. They went, that is so good, but we don't accept it. We don't believe that. We're not going to take that into our lives. They heard it and thought it was amazing, but wouldn't actually take it for themselves. How many believers are doing that every day with the word of God? How many believers are doing that with church? Like you hear the amazing story and you go, that is beautiful and wonderful. And then you walk out and go, but for somebody else, you don't say that, but do your actions do your actions say that's what you're doing? That's for somebody else. We cannot just be hearers. We have to be doers of the word. 
It is in the doing that we are transformed, right? So probably every sermon through Lent, you're gonna hear some story about Guatemala, right? You're just gonna hear it. This is not really a story so much about Guatemala as it is, do you know how many people said to me before I went, as they were trying to encourage me to go, if you go, it will change your life. We can tell you the story. We can tell it to you all day long. We can tell you the great experience we had. We can show you the pictures. You can watch the slideshow. You can do all of that stuff. But you have to go. You know what? They were 100% right. My entire view, I was always in support of Guatemala. But my entire view of what that means has changed. By going and participating and being with people, being in their homes, it absolutely changes it. Because when you do it, it makes a difference in a way that when you just hear it, it can never make that same difference. Same thing is true of the word of God. We cannot just be hearers, we have to be doers. And here is one of the things we are called to do. All right, this week, last week it was rise, let us go and do the right thing. This week, it is rise, let us go, and use our position for the sake of others. Let us go and use our position for the sake of others. Right? Let me show you what that means. Judas was the treasurer. He had the money. Judas was the guy that it's right there, and that money could have been used for the poor. That money could have been used for their future. That money could have been used for other disciples. That money could have been used for all kinds of things. What did Judas want that money to be used for? Judas. Judas used his position as the treasurer, the one who held all the money, and there were no audits. There was nobody else. He didn't have an accountability partner. It was just Judas and a bag of money. And he takes it to bed with him every night and skims some of it out. He used his position as the treasurer to pad his own pockets. What do you use your position in life for? His was selfish gain. Let me get more for me. What do you use yours for? But it wasn't just that position. His response to Jesus, when Jesus calls, when he sees, sorry, before he even responds to Jesus, when he sees the woman and she does what she does, and Judas stands up and he goes, that money could have been used for the poor. Boy, that sounds righteous and holy. Look how spiritual I am. And Jesus is gonna appreciate that because who does Jesus love? The poor. And yet, what do we know? He didn't mean any of that. He just wanted the money. This is like the Pharisees when Jesus says, don't stand on street corners and pray so everybody will think you're spiritual. He used his position as the treasurer, as a disciple, to try to make himself look good. Hey, we could use this money for really righteous things. Dang it, I could have used that money for myself. And lastly, 
and this of course being the most horrible, awful of all things, he was close to him. I want you to think right now about a friend who you are close to. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a sibling. But somebody who you are really close with, somebody who you've spent a lot of time with, somebody that you've poured out your heart to, and then to have that person use whatever knowledge they know about you to betray you. That's what Judas did. When he said he looked for an opportunity, Judas knew when Jesus would be away from the crowds in a place where it'd be a little bit away from Jerusalem and a place where you could get soldiers to him to arrest him. Why bring all the soldiers? Well, if you are Judas and you've been witnessing the power of Jesus, you might want to bring a few buff people too with some weapons. All of the armies come. But the only reason it's possible is because Judas uses his position as a close friend, as a disciple, as the inner circle, one of the 12. And it's interesting how often he is called one of the 12. Just got to remind you of that as one of the 12, to betray Jesus. How are you using your position when it comes to friendships? People you're close to. Again, whether it's a friend or a spouse, sibling, how do you use that position? Instead of to get something for you, so right now if I asked everybody to raise their hand, and I'm not going to. Please don't raise your hand. If you do, you'll be one of the few who do, although everybody probably would. If I said, raise your hand if you have any insecurities in your life, every hand would go up. But here's part of the problem. Sometimes, how do we deal with our insecurities? We use those closest to us to build ourselves up. It's part of the way we do it. What, what we are called to is to use our position for the sake of others, not for selfish gain. Right? And so think right now with me. You could be a mom or a dad. You're a friend and a spouse. You have a job, whatever that job is. Um, probably just about everybody in this room has a degree, and many of you have an advanced degree. You have something that you are good at, you have talents. You have things you were born with and maybe over time you cultivated. But you have position. You have power. You have things about you. How are you using that? Do you use it for the sake of others or for selfish gain? Back to Guatemala for a minute. And I'm kind of glad Dave is not here. Dave Sinclair, because then I can say the story about him and it will not embarrass him. And it's not talked about him last week and this week. I may talk about him next week too. Dave just may be in everything. Guatemala and Dave, all my sermons. But here is an example of using your position for the sake of others. Right? If you ever get to go to Guatemala, you will probably witness the vast things, a number of things that are being done for the overall health of this village and ideally 
other villages around it, which would include medical, dental, vision, shoes for kids. Many of you are sponsors, sponsoring them so they can go to school, building their kitchen, building stoves. I mean, all of this stuff. Guess what Dave did? If you go to Guatemala, you are going to see so many stray dogs. And these dogs are so bizarre to me because you're going up this mountain road. The road is about a lane and a half wide and then sometimes goes down to about a lane. And you're just bumping along and like Guatemalans drive at like 60 miles an hour no matter what. And so you're just <laughs> going along. And right there in the road is a dog. And it's just laying there. Boom, 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 boom. The dog looks at you. Oh, kind of yawns. Watches you go by. You're like this close from smashing the dog. All of them are like that. It is so bizarre. My dog, oh my goodness. Like yesterday a car pulled up in front of our house and she went nuts. Like it was the end of the world. There's no way she would ever get that close to a car. That's what these dogs are. But wild dogs everywhere. Also the diseases that wild dogs would bring to the village. So most of you, if not all of you, know what Dave does for a living. He's a veterinarian. So what did Dave do? He went to Guatemala and began to treat the animals for the sake of the village. That's using your position for the sake of others. Because I'll tell you what, Dave didn't get any glory or money or anything else from doing that. It wasn't like they're like, hey, we'll pay you a bunch of money to come take care of our wild animals. They didn't do that. That was for the sake of others, taking something that he could do well and making a difference. How can you use your position to do something for the sake of others? That is what I want you to think about this week. Our statement is rise, let us go, and use our position for the sake of others. So after they wouldn't accept Jesus for the second time, first they wanted Judas, then they thought the peace child was a great idea, just not for them. Don and his children and his wife were in a canoe, and it capsized in alligator-filled waters. They were rescued. None of them got harmed. They were brought back. And when they got back to their home, the village blamed their servant boy who should have been taking care of them and they wanted to kill and eat the servant boy. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, the person that was betrayed and then killed was also eaten. Guess what Don did? He stepped up and used his position to defend and protect the boy. Risked his own life because they were eager for retribution against the boy. And Don stepped up to defend him and placed himself between them and the boy. And when he did that, it began to change the hearts of the villagers. And person after person 
began to accept the peace child, Christ. Because Don used his physician for the sake of somebody else. Rise, let us go, and use our positions for the sake of others instead of selfish gain. That's our calling this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you gave us the peace child. That no matter what we have done, the sins in our lives, the rebellion, the struggle, the darkness, that in Christ, all of it can be forgiven. And we can be cleansed and we can have a relationship with you for all eternity. He used his position as your son to be the ultimate sacrifice for all of us and for the whole world. Lord, may we follow in his footsteps and use what you have blessed us with for the sake of others and for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.